the feedback we're getting from the agents, from the investment agents especially, is, is that the market's becoming so well established now that it's quickly going to get absorbed and become a norm. There'll be enough comparable evidence out there with buildings with a quantum of flex that that valuation piece will just be common, commonplace. Welcome back to the Word Bold Podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions of space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, a fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and this is episode five of season nine, sponsored by Delta Q. In this episode, I'm joined by Dan Hyde, Development Director at MEPC, the Asset and Development Manager for Noma, a 20-acre mixed-use neighborhood in central Manchester. Dan and I met on a panel last year in Manchester, so it was cool to go one-on-one with him for this first-ever podcast episode for Dan. Don't worry, I didn't make it easy on him. Manchester is on fire, so we jumped right into his Noma project and what it means for future-proofing the city with a focus on community and culture. We discussed the growing demand he's seeing for flex space, how MEPC are leaning into space as a service as a leasing strategy for their assets, and of course, the challenges with how buildings are valued. Dan shares insight into why Manchester is on fire, and my guess is other cities could take notes on how to curate the live, work, play, multi-use model Manchester is benefiting from. Big check for the S in the ESG agenda. And I couldn't resist giving a shout out in this episode to Mayor Andy Burnham's political ambitions, which Dan tactfully dodged my question on that. I, for one, can't wait for Andy to join the ribbon cutting ceremony of our next bold site in Manchester. As always, if you have any questions or feedback or topics you want covered, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or DM me on LinkedIn. You may have seen our headline sponsor Delta Q just raise 8 million euros to fund their international expansion. Delta Q is the leader in reducing energy consumption and CO2 emissions in the commercial real estate sector. Later in the show, we hear from Delta Q's UK director why this is important for our industry. Without further ado, Jeff, let's kick it. Welcome back to the Workbook Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and we're at MIPA Mall season long. Big shout out to our furniture as a service partner, NorNorm for making our podcast studio complete and comfortable. And thank you to Convivio for helping get this furniture from Paris to London. I'm sitting with Dan Hyde, Development Director at MEPC, the Asset and Development Manager for Noma, a 20-acre mixed-use neighborhood in central Manchester. His role at MEPC is focused on overseeing the delivery of a new business district at Noma, including Four Angel Square, a 200,000-square-foot spec office development that will be operationally net zero carbon. High five. Dan joined MEPC from Cure Property, where he was also a senior development manager and helped deliver a number of landmark office projects, such as 3 Sovereign Square in Leeds and 11 York Street in Manchester. Before Cure Property, Dan held several roles at GVA, Billfinger, and Knight Frank. Welcome to the Workbook Podcast, Dan. Thanks very much. Lovely to be here. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got a lunch meeting right after this, so we'll talk fast, but this is your first ever podcast. This is my first ever podcast that I've been, yeah, they've been interviewed on. So it's quite exciting. Joe Rogan's next. Joe Rogan's not next, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to be on Joe Rogan next. I'm say it. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so you live in Leeds, you commute into Manchester, you listen to podcasts yourself. 
So you're fully prepped for the Workbook Podcast and how bold we go. So I'm going to just ask you a couple questions around MIPM. You're here this week. What sort of conversations are you having? You're on panels and so forth. Yeah, we're here supporting the Manchester stands. And I think the common thread for, for that is Manchester, you know, going to be a, a city of the future, a green city, a lot of discussions around ESG, around communities and social value and, and culture as well. I think it's really important how we embed all those into our city centre developments and existing inter- infrastructure that, that, that really future-proofs it and allows it to grow with inclusivity and diversity. Well, I'm glad you said some of those buzzwords that I love, community culture, future-proofing. You and I were on a panel last year with EG. We were. Up in Manchester, and that was a fantastic discussion, I thought. Manchester is on fire. Our board location is killing it there. You said future-proofing, and I think you said one of your panels here at MIPA was asking the question, is Manchester fit for a generation alpha? Correct. Can you talk about that? Yeah, we, we, we were originally looking for a kind of 20-minute slot. We've ended up with a, an hour slot with a really great panel, but trying to look at it from a slightly different angle. So the marketing team at Noma got in some school kids, Generation Alpha, had a whole workshop with them, kind of making them build stuff out of paper and yeah, kind of quizzing them on what they think the future of the workplace is going to look like. And they've put together this little video, which is really, really insightful because I think everybody going into it had thoughts that they would come out that it's going to be digital this. And don't get me wrong, there's a bit about teleportation and, and some of the kind of hoverboards and things like that, which you kind of expect. Like back to the future. A little bit like back to the future. But we were surprised that a lot of what they said in terms of the workplace now that's going to be was around inclusivity, about being kind, about feeling happy, about feeling supported. And that really resonates with a lot of the things that we're already doing at Noma in terms of the buildings that we're building, incorporating amenities and wellness spaces, but also how those buildings sit in the wider community. So just just quickly and for your for your listeners as well, Nome is a generation project governed by a strategic regeneration framework. It's 20 acres, home to the co-op, was the home of the co-op, you know, for the last 160 years. It's made up of a unique blend of listed estate and a new build program, a 10-year new, new build program, in total, delivering about 2 million square feet of offices, million square feet of homes. And it, it, you know, in terms of the 15-minute city piece, it, it, it's got all the ingredients to, to kind of be an exemplar for that within Manchester. We, we are, we're just about to PC our first building, 200,000 square foot, four Angel Square. Congratulations. Um, yep, really Exciting. excited about that. Yep. And so, so, yeah, we're incorporating all these kind of, kind of user experiences into that building. But then the way that building sits in the wider estate, the wider community, the wider neighborhood or gnomehood, as I like to call it. But the, the way it sits in that neighborhood is probably as as important, if not slightly more, the public realm, the connectivity facing outwards to the lights of the northern quarter and Ancoats and to FEC's development down, down the Irk Valley. We've got the bus interchange and New Victoria there. It's a really well-connected neighborhood and, and making sure that we're really involving the community not the community, the communities, because it's made up of lots of different communities, how we involve them all in its progression and its evolution over the 10-year period. Well, I think that's an important consideration. And especially when we talk about this this season, we're talking a lot about ESG. Obviously, that's a key focus on from this, this year as well. And the S aspect of the ESG, the, the social impact that a developer has in, in a, on, a, on a scale of the size of this NOMA project is you've got to think about all the stakeholders in, in that community. 
And uh, so I think it's an important point. You talked about the different features of coming into that building, but future-proofing it for the for the rest of the development. I want to, obviously, our podcast is a focus on space as a service. So I'm curious how you're leaning into space as a service or how you're thinking about bringing in elements into your, to your assets there. Yeah, we, PC and Federated Hermes kind of, specialize in in city center large city center regeneration and we've got schemes in leeds wellington place we've got noma in manchester obviously we've got paradise in birmingham hermes are investors stakeholder in king's cross we've got st mary laporte in bristol and that collective learning from all these projects that collective learning allows us to to kind of get some real insight into trends in the market in birmingham and leeds we've we've already done flex deals they've been on leases because that was the kind of preferred the investor model but the, the old model yes the, <laughs> but you, you're right you're right Caleb because I think as things have moved and progressed and they've, they've happened fairly rapidly and you've seen a probably change in the last couple of years where we are now looking I think probably most of our buildings will have an element of flex or managed space within them and that management agreement allows the, the landlord to have a bit more control over how it's operated. You know, I, I know you guys do a fantastic job and you live and die by your, your, your kind of level of service. And, and, you know, there's a whole discussion around, you know, is it offices or is it hospitality? That, 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 whole, that whole discussion piece is influencing offices as a whole, you know. So I think moving forward, we, we will we will have an element of flex in in most of our most of our developments. It totally, and I love how you said you live and die by the service you provide, and and that's that from our end. That's two ways: it's delivering that level of service to the the end user, the customer, the people who are coming in and out of out of our communities, but but also to our landlord partners and making sure that that's a level of service that we're delivering for them on behalf of them and and to them. So I think that totally makes sense. And so when it comes to sustainability, um, I, I believe that space as a service for the customer and for tenants or customers that are the, the people signing the, the, the procuring the space, I believe that we're going to see a shrinkage of course footprint and a take up, an increased take up of flex. And because it's more sustainable for them thinking long-term with the economic volatility that, that we have today, you can't, you can't predict 10 years in the future. So we're going to see more companies looking for these buildings like you're talking about that has flex in it so they can expand and contract. Big challenge though, is the way buildings are valued, the way real estate's financed. And so I'm curious how you guys are approaching that. That's a really interesting question because something we're wrestling with at the moment with the value is how do you value it from day one? You know, once it's up and running and you can see how it's been trading for three to five years, you know, you, you kind of understand and you can put a value. But the feedback we're getting from the agents, from the investment agents especially, is, is that the market's becoming so well-established now that it's quickly going to get absorbed and become a norm where, where you know, there'll be enough comparable evidence out there with buildings with a quantum of flex that that valuation piece will be, will just be common commonplace. But I think in terms of the trends of, of why we're kind of doing this, we're finding occupiers... I suppose it's twofold is you're right that they're taking probably court. They want that core space, but then they want to be able to flex if they get a big contract or, but they want that kind of confidence that that's within the building. They can do that. But then we're also 
providing flexible amenity space, you know, gym space that can be converted into a TED talk or a training room, you know, a, a, a yoga Pilates studio that can be converted into a private dining or a boardroom so that they don't have to put these facilities within their floor plate. So with the flex, with these added amenities, you know, it's a much more attractive proposition. But then the other, the other trend we're finding is some big corporates coming in and they want this touchdown space. So they, they might be looking for, you know, 40 to 60,000 square feet on a, on a kind of long-term lease, but they want to take, you know, two to 4,000 square feet in six months and then grow that to maybe 7,000 square feet to start growing their workforce organically so that when they sign up to day one of their long-term lease, they've all, already got this kind of rolling start in terms of their, their kind of employment procurement system. Totally makes sense. Flex has been solving for those what we call touchdown spaces for, for quite some time over the years, over the decades now, but not so much been part of a leasing strategy for the traditional le- landlords. And I think that's changing. Customers have always wanted it and more and more customers want it today. There's been a growing gap between supply and demand, but as more landlords like you guys embrace that and bring it in, I think we'll see a proliferation of, of that flex and, and that takes that product of real estate and moves it into a service, which is fantastic. My friend Sam Gamble over in Canada, he's got an amazing newsletter that, go, that breaks down the complexities of the financing and, and the valuations around this. And he agrees that it will become commonplace one day. And, and I think there's going to be an adjustment to the evaluation methodology. I'm counting on it. Since we're talking ESG again, let's pop over to Adam Gadiali, Delta Q's UK director. Adam, the Workbold audience is made up of office real estate professionals spanning 50 countries. Tell us a little bit about your international expansion plans for Delta Q and why that's important for office buildings. Reducing energy consumption is a major challenge for real estate organizations, especially since the sector is responsible for nearly 30% of the European Union's carbon emissions. Delta Q is a purpose-driven organization and we partner with the largest real estate companies in the world to fight climate change and to help our customers towards net zero carbon with our triple strategy. This is what we like to call Map Plan Act. Thank you, Adam. More on Delta Q's triple strategy later in the show. So, Manchester. Why is Manchester on fire? Big question, isn't it? I, I, I just think Manchester, especially kind of over the last three years, through the pandemic, the North Shore in, out of London, the, the retention of the talent from the universities, fundamentally Manchester being quite a cool place to live, the amount of resi that's going up, the connectivity to the greater Manchester, the, the tram network, the football teams, the music, the quality officers, I, I think all that has all that has, has really elevated Manchester to to it stood on its own two feet for a long time globally. But I think it's really elevated Manchester to be a really attractive proposition for international companies looking to inward invest into the UK, you know, as a as a genuine alternative to London. You get bit more bang for your buck there you get a lot more bang for your buck yeah and and yeah and then there's yeah that's a whole kind of podcast in itself just talking about the pros and cons of you know establishing yourself in london or manchester but 
yeah, it's, it's done itself a load of favours in terms of putting itself up the pecking order and, and really standing tall and proud as a global as a global city and its aspirations and the way it's been governed by the council, you know, up to this point. But there's kind of a, a Joanne Roney's come in, you know, Becca Heron. There's some really kind of insightful, innovative leaders that have come in that's going to push Manchester on again to make it a green city, you know, better connectivity around the city, better connectivity to, you know, to the outlying kind of towns, which again, just gives this talent pool that employers must just love. No, I, I, I've witnessed it. Manchester's on fire. I think it, uh, for me, the people there, the creativity, I'm always inspired every time I go to Manchester and, and our members and coming into to bold has just fired me up every time I see them post stuff on Instagram and, uh, on social media. So I have an, another Manchester question before we get back to business here, and I'm going to be cheeky here. There's a lot of attractiveness to Manchester. Some, some might say it's due to, you know, Mayor Andy Burnham, and I'm not trying to get into any sort of political questions here by any means, but what's going to happen first? Will Manchester become the capital of the UK or will Andy Burnham become the prime minister of the UK? I, th- I think we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Okay, we'll move on then. I had, to be, I had to be cheeky with that one. So look, I think you mentioned communities earlier, and I want to get back to the wider development. This building coming in, PCing soon, you said it's 20... The Noma Estate is a 20-acre site. 20-acre. Governed by a strategic regeneration framework, an SRF, and Four Angel Square is the first of, of the new builds. So essentially, there's another eight buildings two of which have detailed planning. We're just taking them through stage three now. And then the rest are governed by the SRF, which is effectively like an outline planning permission. So with the greater development, how are you going about curating the, the community aspects you talked about earlier as you take this 30-year investment and think about future-proofing? Yeah, so we work with a company called Standard Practice who do our social value. They've been there doing this for seven, eight years already. I had a friend, another developer friend, come up and look at the scheme and see the work that they were doing. He's got a similar, smaller kind of regen scheme going on. And he was like, oh, I love what they're doing. That's brilliant. Like, how much does that cost? And I said, it'll cost about seven or eight years because it's not something you can just buy off the shelf. It's been, it's been grown, it's been curated organically, working with the community, embedding themselves in the communities. So just to give you an example of some of the stuff they do, so they've just launched something called Plant Noma, which is a city centre gardening scheme. Um, we have two full-time gardeners. We have our own tree nursery on site, so we, are, we grow all our own trees for future phases. So we benefit from the greenery. The city benefits from the greenery. But Plant Gnome is about getting not just people who work in the offices that we're building, but the residents around, just people within the city to get involved in gardening for, for social inclusion, for wellness. And because you go away from having a minimalist, low-maintenance public realm that's cheap to put in, it's cheap to maintain, to one that's nurtured and curated. And that has an added effect that it lowers antisocial behavior because the people who are working on it are more likely to say, excuse me, do you mind just picking that bit of litter up that you've dropped? Or, you know, please don't just throw your cigarette butt on the floor. Or, you know, it, 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 has, a, it has a community effect. And that's in partnership with Manchester Universities, with the National Trust, so leveraging their expertise and getting volunteers to get involved. And that's only been running six months, but it's already had a huge, a huge impact. 
but yeah, standard practice have a have a home at Noma, and they they run loads of things, community book clubs, loads of events, and I think by doing that and doing it with with the people in the communities at the heart of of, of organising those those events for the community, you really start to get buy in and people start to feel involved, included, accepted. And, and that is the that is the glue that holds the asset together, and there needs to be a financial return. You know, I'm, I'm, we're doing this for investors, but that gives it longevity. That will mean the next lease cycle, people are still there to let up these buildings because they want to be part of that environment. Yeah, they want to be a part of that community or that neighbourhood. I can't add anything to that. This hits the nail on the head for the S of ESG, in my opinion. I wrote an article on the three C's of commercial real estate curation and community being two of them. Fantastic. I, I think we should end on that because it was, and you've got a lunch to go to. I've got a lunch to go to. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Dan, for taking the time. I really pleasure. appreciate it. And thank you for turning in until next time. Take care of yourself. Before we close this episode out, a final update from Adam Gadiali on Delta Q's triple strategy. As I mentioned earlier, everything we do needs to help the commercial real estate sector drastically reduce its carbon emissions. That's our purpose. We start with connecting building portfolios with our AI solution and commit ourselves to clear results, which include CO2 and energy reduction, operational efficiency and comfort optimization. Firstly, in order to reduce the building's energy consumption, we deploy our technology across building portfolios. We do this by mapping the building through a digital diagnosis or creating a digital twin of the building. This also includes precise local weather forecast and occupancy data. Secondly, through planning, which is where we conduct a physical diagnosis of the building with our HVAC and BMS specialists to ensure that the availability of data is as closely aligned with reality. From there, we identify building and system anomalies, build a roadmap towards savings and advise on the carbon return of retrofit investments. Thirdly, by taking action. This is where we take both digital and physical data and automate repetitive savings through our AI steering of the HVAC systems. That's our triple strategy. There you go. What an important purpose. Be sure to visit deltaq.io to learn more and listen to episode eight this season where I got to sit down with Delta Q's CEO, Khadija Nadia at MIPM for a deeper dive into their purpose of helping the real estate sector on the road to zero. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com.